For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Mark McGarvey entitled, Forgiveness. Good afternoon. The subject of forgiveness is so vast, one could do you know, numerous sermons about it. Not on? Can you hear me at the back? Okay. As I was saying, the, the subject of forgiveness is so vast. Uh, one could talk for hours and numerous sermons. That's not my plan today, thankfully, you say. Books have been written about it. But, you know, forgiveness is one of the fundamental cornerstones of the Christian faith. By Jesus Christ's sacrifice, when we go under the waters of baptism, we are gifted the Holy Spirit, and our sins are forgiven. This important factor of our transformation shows us God's unconditional love for us as he welcomes us into his family. So what I want to talk about today is if God Almighty can forgive us, is prepared to forgive us, you and I, can we not forgive one another? I want to tell you about a story of forgiveness from a situation that happened about 28 years ago, I think now. Every November in Britain, they have what is called Remembrance Day. It's a kind of a, a mix between Memorial Day and Veterans Day, and it's, it's to originally to, to remember the First World War, which ended on November 11th, 1918, at 11 a.m. They have a service every year. Uh, back in the day, of course, there were, there were World War I veterans that take part in the service, and now it's just a, you know, most of those guys have passed on and died, but they have a remembrance service all over the country, um, in England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, to remember the soldiers who died there and, and the millions that died in the conflict. Um, but on this uh, Remembrance Day in November 1987, the provisional IRA set off a bomb at the memorial service in Enniskillen, Northern Ireland. I don't know if any of you remember this situation. Um, I remember it well. I was 13 at the time. And it made big, big news over there. Um, it was at the height of the Troubles in Northern Ireland. The 1980s were a very deadly time. Hundreds were killed um, on both sides. And, uh, and I guess I had a, a better understanding than most of my English friends, having Irish parents and going over there very often. You know, I had an idea of what was going on and the reasons for it. Anyway, on this one day, November 11th, 1987, the IRA planted a bomb in a bag in this, and the way this, the Enniskillen was set up, the First World War Memorial was in the street, and there was a church right behind, right next to the, uh, the statue, and the one end of the church was 30 feet high, and what the, the IRA did was they planted that bomb inside the church in some bags right next to the wall. So when the bomb exploded during the memorial service, that wall collapsed down on top of the people that were there, and of course the blast went out and did its damage. It was a couple of hundred pounds of, of uh, I'm not sure if it was TNT or whatever, plastic explosives. Um, 
but it killed 11 people and 63 were injured. Among those killed on the day was um, a girl in her 20s, Marie Wilson, the daughter of Gordon Wilson, a 57-year-old man from Enniskillen itself. Mr. Wilson was injured by the blast. Evidently, Mr. Wilson held his own daughter's hand as she died. And she told him that she loved him before she passed away. She said, I love you very much, as she died. Right before she died, that was the last words that uh, she told him. After this incredibly horrific event, Mr. Wilson told journalists at the time, just a day or two after, that he forgave and would pray for the people who committed this atrocious act of murder. And I remember to this day, 28 years later, him doing that. I saw it on the news, the evening news, a couple of days later. And watching him on TV and him saying in all sincerity that he would pray for the men who did this. I couldn't believe that at the time because I'd never seen anything like that. He just lost his daughter in a, a murderous act of terror. Um, how would we react in this situation? You know, could we forgive someone who just killed our son or daughter or our spouse, our loved one, pray for them? The natural human instinct or reaction would be to want revenge. Anger, wanting justice. I just feel that I would react that way. I, you know, I don't know if I could be so gracious. It's a natural instinct to, to look out for the ones you love. Deuteronomy 32:35 comes to mind. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Mr. Wilson garnered a lot of attention for his act of forgiveness, both, both in Britain and other parts of the world. And he was a, a Protestant. Um, went to a, he was a Protestant church girl. I'm not sure what den denomination he was, although Church of England is the largest denomination over there. So he knew what it meant to forgive someone or to pray you know, for your enemy, as it were. I've heard of similar incidents over the years of people praying for their spouse's murderer, um, forgiving someone for an awful crime. But this one incident in Northern Ireland has stayed with me. Now, this situation can make a quarrel with a brother or sister in a church pale in comparison. But the end result needs to be the same. I've heard of people in the church holding a grudge against someone else in the church for 30 or 40 years. As Jesus said, remove the plank from your own eye before you ask your brother to remove the speck in his. Let's actually go to that scripture. That's in Matthew chapter 7 and verses 3 through 5. Matthew chapter 7 verses 3 through 5. Verse 3, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will clearly see, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. There are three incidents in the New Testament where Jesus forgave people. 
Why was that important? Well, as part of his mission as the Messiah, as the Holy One, as part of his mission. And, you know, not every incident that Jesus did is recorded for us, but the ones that are recorded show a tremendous lesson to us all, an example of, of his perfectness and of his ability to, to forgive people. So the first one I want to look at is the incident in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. Luke, chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now it happened on a certain day, as Jesus was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town in Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find out how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to them, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately the man rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Funny way of ending it, we've seen strange things today. Well, that was an amazing sight to see, I bet. I mean, Jesus forgave this man who may have been paralyzed all his life. There's no specific detail on how long he had been paralyzed or what his exact age was. The scribes and the Pharisees were both amazed at the miracle they just witnessed, but were also angry that Jesus had told the man, your sins are forgiven. The New King James Study Bible says here about these verses, quote, Jesus posed a riddle to his audience. From an external point of view, it would seem easier to declare sins forgiven than to actually heal a person. In reality, however, one has to possess more authority to forgive sin. Jesus linked the healing to what it represented, the forgiveness of sin. Jesus forgave the man's sins and healed him at the same time. End quote. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. He will forgive us if we go to him and ask for forgiveness, ask him for mercy. He will. He'll do it every time. There's no times where he'll say, oh, not this time, son. No, he'll do it every time, okay? Go to him in prayer. He will forgive us. In this instance, the Pharisees were so caught up in their piousness, they kind of 
overlooked a greater end result. This paralyzed man was, was healed and walked away. Jesus had the power and authority to tell the man his sins were forgiven. We don't have that power. We can't tell anybody their sins are forgiven. That is for God to do. Who was Jesus? He was God. He could do it. Another example of Jesus' compassion is found a couple of chapters later in Luke. Luke chapter 7, in fact. Verses 36 through 50. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. pick up this story here in verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus, asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love him more? Simon, and Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then Jesus, he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. Say that verse again. Okay, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There is some speculation as to whether the woman mentioned here is Mary Magdalene because it, it never mentions her name, but nor, nor the sin that specifically that she committed. But whomever she was and whatever sin she committed, she must have realized who Jesus was. Um, whether she was there all day or been there a few hours watching him, watching his movements that day, she knew when she saw him that she had to see this man. She had to go and talk to him. Whether she looked into his eyes and saw something there that she fell apart and had to do something about it, we're not sure. 
But again, the Pharisees and Simon himself are stunned that one, he didn't kick the lady out. Her reputation preceded her out the house. And two, that he forgave her by saying, your sins are forgiven. And look at what Jesus says to her last. Your faith has saved you. By doing what she did to Christ and having faith in who he was saved her. In this situation, in this story, she chose to do what she did because she believed in who he was, the Son of God. So Jesus, as always, is our example of how a Christian should behave, lead their life. He is who we look for, you know, for inspiration. He led a perfect, sinless life. He was tempted, but never gave in to the wiles of the devil. One of his final acts of forgiveness is recorded for us in all four Gospels, and again illustrates how to forgive, how to do it. And that is also in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 34. Luke chapter 23, verses 32 and 34. Bear with me here a moment while I find that. So Jesus is up on the cross, and he says, verse 32, there were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. You know, after all that he had been through, he'd been beaten, been scourged the previous several hours, and he was so weakened by his beating and his scourging, he could barely carry the cross member of his cross. You know, he collapsed before he got there, and as is recorded, I'm not sure if it's recorded in this book or one of the other Gospels, but uh, Simon Cyrene had to carry the cross member the rest of the way. But even in the condition that he's in there, he asks his father to forgive those who put him to death. The Roman soldiers that were there, the, Jew, the Jewish leaders who were watching and the others in the crowd, a truly profound statement. In the Jewish leaders' ignorance, they did not realize they were killing the Son of God, the Messiah. But Jesus was sacrificing himself for everyone, even them. He asked the Father, the absolute authority, to forgive his executioners and those that mocked him as he was nailed to the cross. This is one of the biggest acts of forgiveness in the Bible. Because it was said by God in the flesh, Jesus Christ himself. And it shows the power of the Holy Spirit in such an incident. So these are examples of forgiveness. One, a man whose daughter is, is killed, but he's able to forgive and pray for those who committed the act. And then secondly, the acts of 
forgiveness that Jesus showed. Jesus Christ himself up on the cross. Um, speaking to the crowd and the paralyzed man, healing him and forgiving him. And the one lady who was in Simon the Pharisee's house. With the Holy Spirit working in us, we can, get, we can forgive one another. We can look beyond the wrong, look at the bigger picture, that we all are sons and daughters of God. Members of his family, and we will reign for him in eternity in the kingdom of God. With the Holy Spirit working in us, by walking in the footsteps with Christ-like character, we too could forgive someone for a dishonorable deed against us. It can be done. Gordon Wilson's calls for forgiveness and reconciliation in the years after the bombing came to be called the Spirit of Enniskillen. The Spirit of Enniskillen. As a peace campaigner, he sought to understand the reasons for the bombing and the other bombings that had gone on throughout the decades before in the conflict. And he held talks with paramilitary leaders of both sides. On Remembrance Day 1997, 10 days after the bombing, Sinn Féin leader Jerry Adams formally apologized for the bombing. Sinn Féin is a political wing of the IRA. Unfortunately, Mr. Wilson, he died in 1995 of a heart attack at the age of, I believe he'd be 65 at that time. Forgiveness can be hard, but it shows real strength as a Christian. And one final scripture here. Let's read about what, again, God says in the matter. Mark chapter 11 and verses 25 and 26. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. The New King James Version Study Bible notes here, quote, it is doubtful that a person who cannot forgive another has ever experienced the forgiveness of his own sins by God. Strong words may be, but sometimes we need to be jolted to the realization that our actions and words are important. But it is the spirit and the heart of a Christian which enables them to forgive. And in this early part of the 21st century, here in the year 2015, um, with what's going on in the world, Christianity has been tested. Whether it be Christians in the Middle East being persecuted, ISIS going around Iraq and Syria killing, you know, seeking out Christians and killing them. Um, or even the situation here back at home with the horrific story of, of what's coming out of Planned Parenthood right now and the headlines that they are creating. We have to stand up for what we believe in, be principled. And there are many aspects to being a good Christian. Forgiveness is one of them. In this, this day and age where we are faced with so much evil in the world, 
I know it's hard to do it sometimes, but forgiveness is an important aspect of being a Christian, of being a true Christian. So in conclusion, the power to forgive can be seen as inherent in God. He loves us, and he will show us his mercy when we slip up. From the foundation of the earth, God had destined his own son to come to be born, live a perfect, sinless life, and sacrifice himself so that all our sins will be forgiven. With God's spirit in us, we too can forgive our brothers and our sisters and all walk together into the kingdom of God.